countdown to the last comic shop in 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Previously on the last thrilling chapter of Young Romance. You're not really a gangster, are you, Stanley? I do have that reputation, Tony. You should be afraid of me. I I suppose so, but I'm not. I'm not really a bad guy. My parents were poor, and I had to fight all the way to, well, just to keep living, I guess. Sounds corny, doesn't it? But it's been pretty tough for us. When you're down, they use you for a fall guy. I guess I've been blamed for everything in this that's happened in this town. When you talk like that, you seem like an unspoiled little boy. I... I've never known a nice girl like you before, Tony. Come here! Oh, Stan! Stan and I saw each other often after that. I loved him. He was a gentleman. He wasn't tough at all. But people were talking. That's her! I see them together constantly. She and that, that gangster! Didn't I tell you? Just like her mother! Then one evening, I waited for Stanley at our favorite meeting place. Oh! Are you Stan's girl? Yes, I, I'm Stan's girl. I, I got a note for you. You're a sweet kid, but I'm just a guy who's been around too much. So I thought it best I leave before you're hurt. Stan. Will Tony find her way back to her older man, Stan? Will this gangster love leave her cold? Find out in the next three pages of Young Romance, designed for the more adult readers of comics. Hey! And that was our reading of Young Romance here on The Last Comic Shop! That's right. Every week we open up the shop to newbies to help them find their way under the comic book tent. And that includes old romance comics, apparently, because, you know, that's a thing. Yeah, so we'll keep the lights on for those old romantics who want to find their romance comics along with the rest of all their superhero fare and everything else there is at their local comic shop. And I'm the host with the most, Andy Larson, and I hope that you fall in love with this week's episode because it's all about romance comics. Aww. And I'm joined, as always, by my regular co-hosts, Jay Scott and Chad Smith, which I have very much brotherly affection for both of them here on this Valentine's Day, or, but also somebody else that I'm having on today's program that I've got more than brotherly affection for. It's my wonderful wife, Nicole Larson, who is making her appearance back on the last comic shop after a whole year. Has it been a whole year? It, well, sort of. I mean, the last time you were on, it was like April of last year. Uh, so you, well, make, way to make uh, marriage sound really disgusting. <laughs> More than brotherly love. Like, what are you talking about, man? I, I, I had to figure out some sort of transition. It wasn't from, very good. <laughs> <laughs> 
and, and you know, that's that's what marriage is all about, uh, give and take. And, and on today's program, we've got an interesting comic book, again, within the romance genre. It was a very popular genre that's recently been making a comeback. Uh, as you might have guessed, on the beginning of the program, we did a reading from Young Romance, which was the very first romance comic book publication released in the United States, done by the legendary Joe Simon and Jack Kirby. So if you don't think that romance comics have true comic book chops, uh, we're here to say that definitely a lot of great writers and artists over the years have worked on this subgenre of comics, and it's time that we dedicated a whole show to it. Valentine's Day coming up. So on today's program, we've actually got a foreign language comic that was uh, then translated into English. It's called 5,000 Kilometers Per Second by Manuel Fior. And uh, it's one of J.A.'s picks. J.A., real quickly, why did you decide that you wanted to read this one this week? Well, we needed something for Valentine's Day. It got lots of good reviews, and... Uh, it won a bunch of prestigious European awards that no one's ever heard of, so that means it must be good. <laughs> Does anyone understand why it was titled this? Um, isn't there a part of the book where he's talking on the cell phone with his former lover, and he's like, uh, yeah, you're 5,000 kilometers away in one second? Yeah, you're right. Never yeah. mind. I it's all about cell phone coverage in the end. <laughs> Texting. <laughs> What's more romantic than that? But before we begin, we, we want to embrace our love affair with our fans. Every single week on The Last Comic Shop, we put out a weekly poll in hopes that our Last Comic Shop listeners will come out and vote on something awesome that J.A. has postulated to the greater comic book community. And so we haven't done one of these recaps of these polls in quite a long time. It's almost been like two months, so it's about time that we did it. Plus, Nicole... She barely knows anything about these polls, so she can give us her honest opinion on what she would have voted. So, J.A., what was the first vote from a long time ago? I think it was back in, like, what, Thanksgiving? Thanksgiving, that is correct. What is the best side dish? Uh, the choices were stuffing, mashed potatoes, cranberry sauce, or candied yams. Whoosh can for the win. Whoosh can for the win. AKA, Ooh. for people who may not understand, that is jellied cranberry sauce. Jelly that comes, that goes. <laughs> and yes, you gotta like kind of shake it a little bit and then it goes. <laughs> and then onto the plate. And then you just slice it up and it's. Yeah, you have yeah. to carve it. Like yeah. it's, it's very. It retains its cannular shape. Yes. With the lines. It has to have the, the lines around it because that's how you know where to cut it. And, um,. I'm not a huge fan of turkey, especially sometimes, you know, it gets dried. So that's how I make it palatable. I, I put a little cranberry sauce on my turkey and down the hatch it goes. There you go. Well, what what did our fans say, J.A.? Well, our fans did not agree with your cranberry <laughs> well, sauce moose can. That was 4% of the vote went for both what? cranberry sauce and candied yams. Uh, mashed potatoes in second with 40% of the vote. And taking it as well it should, stuffing for 52% of the vote. 
Absolutely. So this is interesting. I actually never really had stuffing with Thanksgiving dinner until I met you. Oh, really? No. I you never stuffed a bird until you met me? Either that or I totally don't remember there okay. being stuffing. All right, never mind. Because I voted for mashed potatoes, but why stuffing, Chad? Oh, so don't get me wrong. Mashed potatoes are delightful, but you have mashed potatoes all year round. You don't have stuffing all year round. Thanksgiving is your one opportunity to get stuffing, actually from a bird carcass. It's disgusting if you think about it, but you shouldn't think about it because it's actually delicious. <laughs> Jay, what did you vote for? Candy yams? Stuffing. Oh, you did? I thought yeah, you, of course. when we no, were man. growing stuffing. up, you, you, you were always about the candy yams. Stuffing okay. for the win. <laughs> All right. Well, so what was our next poll, uh, Jay? This was uh, to go along with one of our many Hawkeye shows. What is the best trick arrow? Bomb arrow, bola arrow, boomerang arrow, or grappling hook arrow? All right, Nicole, what do you think? Oh, I was going to vote for that plunger arrow. <laughs> the plunger arrow? That is kind of useful. Yeah, but I'll go grappling hook. I mean, because what's sexier than, like, shooting off an arrow and then, like, swinging from it? That's actually one of the best issues of that uh, Matt Fraction David Aha series, which is, like, he uses the plunger arrow to stick onto the car and swing around. That's the most useful use of a plunger arrow See, that's ever. that's what I'm saying. The swinging from the arrows in whatever shape or form is the sexiest. I, yes. I will tell you, according to the poll, what is sexier is the arrow that you shoot that then comes back to you. Because Boomerang Arrow took it with 43% of the vote. Because Boomerang. But knowing me, if I did that, I'd shoot it, it I'd turn around and get distracted, and then it'd, like, freaking. <laughs> you have to duck. Right? That's that, that's the easy answer because boomerang. No, I, I what came in second? I, was it was it bomb arrow? I think bomb arrow was up there. Bola arrow came in second. Really? Not the one that goes boom? Come on, no. that's the most useful arrow. That's the one that they look for. Like that's like okay, I don't need orangutan arrow. I don't need marshmallow arrow. I don't need acid arrow. I, I need bomb arrow. That's gonna make things explode. Look all badass. Alright, moving on. Okay, so the next uh, poll we had was best video game comic book crossover. And this was our poll for the week where we did uh, Batman Fortnite. With your, with your son Alex. That was a great show. Uh, we're going to have to have Alex back on a program soon. I've been uh, looking up some, uh, maybe some Tintin, I think. No, he likes Tintin. He reads Tintin, so. So what were the choices for best video game? Metal Gear Solid, Tomb Raider, the Arkham Asylum tie-ins, uh, so the comic books that are related to the video game that's related to the comic book, so that's one's actually pretty meta, and then uh, Sonic the Hedgehog. So what did the fans vote? Uh, 50% went for Sonic. That's it. My 10-year-old loves the Sonic comics, and he's been reading those for years. That's the one comic on a monthly basis I can get him to read. It's the only one of the picks that you put on there that I had read. I... I was hoping that you would have put on Atari Force. I know a lot of people were like, why didn't you put on Atari Force? Anyways, By a lot was... of people, you mean you. Ah, <laughs> what is, uh, what's the next one, J.A.? So the next one, something that Nicole can probably actually have an opinion about, that is, what is the best cartoon cat? Is it Hello Kitty, Garfield, Tom Cat from uh, Tom and Jerry, or the cat in the hat? going to go cat in the hat on that one. Uh, that's the one I'm most familiar with. I don't know that I'd characterize it as a favorite, or best, 
or any of those superlatives. But uh, yeah, we're gonna go with it. Okay. Uh, I, I think I voted for uh, the Garfield because he uh, hates the Mondays and he likes the lasagna, and and we can all relate. Yeah, Mondays are the worst. Garfield. Yeah, I went with Garfield too, but no, Tom Cat from Tom and Jerry took it. Cat in the Hat was a distant fourth. Sorry, Nicole. I evidently have a very select opinion. (laughs) (laughs) You're pulling up the minority vote. It's fine. Somebody's got to. Next one, we had Best Cinema Spider-Man Foe. So who was the best actor to portray a villain in a Spider-Man movie? Uh, Green Goblin by Willem Dafoe. Alfred Molina's Doc Ock. Jake Gyllenhaal's Mysterio. Or everybody's favorite, Batman playing the Vulture. Remember when Michael Keaton played the Vulture and he had that awesome scene where he was talking to Peter Parker in the backseat and he was like, you stay away from my daughter. No, no, I don't remember. You don't? You don't remember Spider-Man Homecoming? Oh, I don't think I saw that one. Oh, you did? I don't know what I've seen, but I, yeah, I'm going to go Jake Gyllenhaal because he's the hottest of those actors. (laughs) And he was in one of your favorite movies, Day After Tomorrow. Yes. Which oh, it's the Ice Wolves. Yes. <laughs> she makes me watch that all the time. I don't make you watch it. I just watch she it. She says it's a Christmas movie because it has snow in it. What? <laughs> Anyways, Chad, what did you vote for? Uh, my favorite Spidey bad guy is still Alfred Molina. Yeah. No, I can't. I can't disagree with that. Jay, what was your pick? Oh, I went with Michael Keaton in The Vulture just for that scene where he's in the kitchen where Peter Parker goes over to pick up his date for prom and he's got the butter knife out, but it's just so menacing. You want to get nuts? Let's get nuts! (laughs) But um, everyone disagreed with us. Everyone went with the easy option of Green Goblin. He won with 60% of the votes because, you know, Willem Dafoe. And the fact that he power bombed. Uh, da, 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 da. He did. Oh, that's true. Some people might not have uh, seen it. Spoiler alert. Power bombs. Ah, <laughs> All right, so we have one sixth and final poll. Kind of take us through the end of 2021. So we're all up to speed. We're just still a month behind. So yeah, what was our final poll of the of the previous year? What was the best Disney Plus Marvel live action TV show? WandaVision. Falcon and Winter Soldier, Loki, or Hawkeye? All right, Nicole, you watched a couple of them. You didn't finish all of Loki. I fell asleep for most of Winter Soldier. Mm. I did watch Hawkeye and WandaVision, and I'm going to have to go with WandaVision, of course. Yeah. Decades it went through, and the TV aspect, and the love story, and... I mean, Hawkeye was good, too, but I was really annoyed with, with Kate Bishop, so... Okay. But I'm in the you. minority again. I mean, I'm sure I am. Yeah, no. In this one, you were in the majority by just a little bit, but WandaVision took it uh, with 38% of the vote, followed very closely by Hawkeye with 33% of the vote. Everyone agreed that Falcon and Winter Soldier was the least best, I guess you could say. And I wonder if that's because it was also the most sort of straightforward and didn't try to do anything special or weird or hokey. It it had some big shoes to follow. Coming on the heels of WandaVision, you know, WandaVision was like a thing. Like, we hadn't had an MCU show or movie for quite some time. This finally comes out. Like, you know, everyone was still, like, kind of in lockdown. And so everybody was watching it. And it was so different that, like, 
I think it captured the zeitgeist for a little while. Yeah. And, and and so it was just tough shoes. I don't think anything could have followed. Yeah, uh, I will say WandaVision did not get my vote, but I had the most fun week to week with that show, like debating it and what's it going to be and what, what sitcom are they going to do next? And that was delightful. And Cap and Winter Soldier, like, that was just a show. Plus, I got you WandaVision Build-A-Bears for Christmas. Oh, you did. And I posted them on our Twitter. Yeah. Another reason you should check out our Twitter, because you get awesome pictures of sweet-ass Build-A-Bears. They are the cutest Vision and Scarlet Witch bears, though. You have to admit, they're super cute. They are adorbs. They even have, like, little WandaVision on their paws. Anyway. J.A., what did you vote for in this one, by the way? I went with Hawkeye. And that was Chad's pick as well, I'm guessing? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I think we, we probably voted for Hawkeye for different reasons. My reason started with a Y, ended with an A, and had Elena Balog in the middle of it. <laughs> I there did like her. I like her, and I like the Haley Steinfeld. So I, uh, Hawkeye's a big win for me. I, I, I will say it came in a close second. It was really hard because of that poll right as it was finishing. And so it, it was kind of like that recency factor was playing a part. I was like, ah, oh, I really did enjoy it. And it really did fill in that street level kind of part of the MCU. Like we got all that with the Netflix shows. We never got it really with the MCU. So that was kind of cool. And it was just so fun, bro. It was just so much fun. <laughs> and he also got off on the, the end credit scene where the Kingpin. I mean, everybody geeked out at that moment. No, he we were... literally made me watch it like 10 times. <laughs> <laughs> His shoulders made up the skyline. I think it was like the end of episode five. It was awesome. It was all foreshadowing the kingpin's appearance in episode literally six. yeah which they all filmed like on one day you could tell that he was like one day they had vincent d'onofrio and they're like go in this alley go in this toy store place <laughs> vanessa vanessa we uh need uh no you gotta give more breath <laughs> some steak and uh we'll be right back with more last comic shop right after these messages Make sure that you vote on our Wednesday polls every week. <laughs> At Last Comic Shop. We'll see you in a second. Hey, this is Ken M. Padawan J. Coach Duffy. From the Ocho Duro Parley Hour podcast. Every week, the ODPH is talking sports, movies, TV, comics, and more. It's always a parley of topics on each episode. You can find the ODPH on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Stitcher, Podbean, and wherever you find great podcasts, such as the one you're listening to right now. Don't forget to check out OchoDuroParleyHour.com, where you can find the links to all of the ODPH social media accounts, links to the bands whose music you hear each week on the show, hashtag 607 podcast info, and Parley Points, our companion block section of the show. Thanks for listening to the ODPH. Now get back to your regularly scheduled podcasts. All right, we're back with more of The Last Comic Shop, and it is now time for our Read Power Review. Yes, where even though Valentine's Day is coming up and you're probably sweet on somebody else, we hope you get sweet on some of our comic book reviews. Hey, and maybe you'll even get lucky and get a good one. <laughs> Any case, uh, on this week's show, as mentioned, it's a romance comic. It's a very popular genre, and we haven't covered a book from the romance genre yet here on The Last Comic Shop, so it's about time. And uh, this was J.A.'s pick for this week. So, J.A., what book did we uh, pick again? We did 5,000 kilometers per second by Manuel Fior, released in 2010 and won the prestigious grand prize at the Angoulême Comics Festival. Yes, the version that we read was the English translation. Originally, I think it was released in, was it French? Italian. 
Yeah, he's Italian, but he lives in Paris. Ah, oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> See, I told you. I thought it was French. Anyways, we read the English translation, <laughs> uh, which was released by Fantagraphics. Yeah, um, in 2016, uh, translated by Jamie Richards. So, again, some of uh, our conversation today might, you know, possibly some things are lost in translation. Uh, the only other foreign language book that we've read thus far was Black Sad. Long story short, J.A., why don't you give us the 10 cent synopsis for 5,000 kilometers per second? So 5,000 kilometers per second tells the story of Lucia and Piero, who uh, start out as kids who meet when Lucia moves in with her mom into this uh, apartment complex where Piero is living. Uh, He graduates. She goes to Norway and falls in love and gets married in Norway. He goes to um, Egypt to become an archaeologist. And basically the entire story is about their love affair throughout their life, but told when they're apart. So they're talking to each other on the phone or they're sending letters to each other. They were essentially high school sweethearts who drifted apart but kept in touch and then mate later on in life and sort of reevaluate their love for each other and their life and what has happened. And uh, that's it. It's a very sort of European bittersweet story that slice of life. I wouldn't even call it so much of a romance comic as it's a slice of life comic. Okay. I think we're going to start off with uh, Nicole because, again, she hasn't been on this program for a little while. And I brought her on this program today because, again, I I wanted a a woman's point of view on this particular story, especially with all of the romance aspects of it. Was this a good book to bring you back to the fold on? Uh, no. Wow! No, actually, so I read about half of it last night and the rest of it before recording tonight. And I actually did like this latter part of it better. I think maybe... When I first started, I didn't really understand what was going on and where people were going. And it was kind of jumping, right? Like, so there were different scenes or slices of life, as J.A. said, and and they kind of take place at different times. And I didn't quite get that. You know, there was kind of like the high school time when they first met. And then, you know, obviously something happened between them. And then there was later, probably like college time. And then there was uh, early marriage time or, you know, when they were having children. And then they come together again, you know, once their children are a little bit older. So uh, I kind of got it more once they were actually older. And I they kind of were like meeting up for like hookup. Totally went down on her in the bathroom at a restaurant. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, I would have called it romantic. Are you saying that going down on somebody in the bathroom of a restaurant is not romantic? I mean, it can be, maybe, but no, it's just kind of <laughs> Wow. You know, and, and, that, and talking about that scene, like, the weirdest part of that scene is, like, she's like, don't look at me. Don't look at me. Uh, no, so I'm going to get on a little thing. I can 100% understand where she's coming from. She's been through all this life. She's no longer this pretty little thing that she used to be. I can relate to the body insecurity that she had in that moment where she's like, I can only do this if I if I don't think you're totally repulsed by me. Don't look at me. Don't look at me. I can get that. Wow. See, I, was, I thought it was just like kind of standoffish, like the guy. Because at that point, like, they, you know, one of the things about this particular book and the romance, I guess, that they have is it's kind of like that 
unrequited high school thing where it's like, ah, this was my first love or my first crush, but it's ultimately not the person that I ended up spending my life with. There were other people after that that I probably had more time with. I, I had maybe kids with, you know, maybe I got married to them, but there's always this person in the background that I think about sometimes and think, oh, what, what, what? There's if- always that person that if you met up with them 20 years later, you totally like do it in the bathroom. <laughs> I mean, 100%. I mean, I have someone like that. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I think it's relatable in the fact that, again, there everybody has probably somebody like that in their lives that they kind of think back and go, oh, what would have happened if I would have ended up with that person as opposed to this person? But at the same time, I don't know, kind of weird and awkward towards the end. And yeah, maybe that's more what life is. But like, I'm having a hard time wrapping my head around this entire story. I guess I need some help. Uh, Chad, you jump in. For me, I I struggled, especially at the beginning of the story, where I thought that uh, Piero and his buddy Nicola were a couple, just based off of some of their interactions. I did like, too. They were definitely macking on each other at one point, right? Yeah, and and maybe that's a, a European player that I just wasn't picking up on. But yeah, it definitely just seemed like they were an item. And then one of the two was interested in this girl that, you know, moved in basically next door. But as the story went, it isn't just a slice of life story. It's five slices of life. And I really enjoyed whenever uh, Lucia was uh, in Norway and she moves in with this woman, Hilda. And her son, who ends up becoming father of her children. The mother-in-law is basically this woman who has all these regrets. And she is talking to Lucy, basically how much potential she has for, you know, the life that's ahead of her. And I thought that part was really kind and really sweet. And it was at that point I started getting into the story. And then they started pulling scenes from from the sword and the stone, where there's the, the young man gets turned into a squirrel. And then the, the little lady squirrel falls in love with him. The love is a little bit unrequited. And then you get to the end, you know, and it's all these quiet disappointments where this they meet up years later and they've lived their lives. And they're talking to each other and nothing quite works out the way they want it to, both metaphorically and literally. And as they're parting ways, it's like, oh, do you ever talk to uh, Cola? And she's like, no. And as uh, Piero you know, goes off in his cab around the corner, comes Nicola again. And it's just one of those things where it's like, ah, it, it just seemed very real life disappointing. Ah. Sad. Yeah. Maybe that's why I, I, was, I was having a hard time wrapping my head around it because it get, and maybe it hit too close to the bone. Like maybe it was just like, yeah, we've all been there before. You sometimes want to go back, but you should never go home again. Like, it's never going to be the way that it worked. I don't know. Jay, it was your pick. What did you think? So I think uh, what hasn't been mentioned at all is beautiful art. The entire comic book is done in watercolors. There's no inking. There's no pencils. It's all really intricate watercolors. Each panel be it, you know, if it's a nine-panel grid or a six-panel grid or a three-panel grid or a full page, they're just beautiful watercolors uh, in these very muted blues and yellows. And I loved how when you're in Norway, you had a lot more blues. When you're in uh, Egypt, it's lots of yellows. Uh, Italy is like, you know, there's some greens and uh, blue-greens throughout. So 
once you get the concept of what he's trying to do and it, it's sort of you're jumping in time throughout these people's lives and you're seeing sort of what they meant to each other it's telling the story of their love life but you never actually see that love life happen you just hear about it or or you see the results of it uh which i thought was quite nice you know it's sort of like you're you're sitting at a cafe in europe watching people go by on the street and you're picking up little bits of their conversation and then extrapolating what happened before or after they were in front of you for those five seconds they were walking by that's yes. deep that's that's very european the way of thinking i feel i really love the scene where piero's on the train and he's sick and he's got fever dreams and he's having all these dreams and he wakes up and and real life and the dream world start to combine and, and and you don't know what's real or what's not real because he's in his sixth state. And I've been there. I've been overseas, sick as a dog, feverish, not knowing what's going on, where you the dream world. <laughs> <laughs> no. Well, because that's when the first Boontang showed up. I was like, whoa, where'd this come from? <laughs> yes, it was very European in other ways, too. <laughs> She was like, really? They, they drew that? I mean, that's the thing. They have these scenes, but I, I wouldn't say any of those those images are pornographic. No, like, they're it not... It just surprised me. They're but not, uh, you know, gratuitous in any way. But I, got, I mean, I did get the point of his fever dream, though. Anyway, I, I'm with you, Nicole, in terms of this story. It's this very delicately told European-style story, and then it gets really graphic at certain points and it's it is shocking it's like wait a minute what is that doing in here i didn't think this is that kind of story but then it goes back to this delicately told slice of life it's very weird it's very out of the ordinary for me i'm still a little perplexed by the whole thing i'm gonna jump in here again because i I think it it cut close to the chest at, at times this notion that like in essence lucy and uh I'm going to keep on calling him Pietro because I, I'm just a, a Marvelite. So that's what so that's the I think about. But um, they, they obviously had a relationship that was very, very important to them. They, they keep on thinking of each other. Like, again, she's with this other guy. She's pregnant with his child. The moment that his name comes up in a newspaper, it's almost like that's the moment she's like, yep, I'm going back to Italy. Maybe he'll be there. I don't know. Like, he seems to have made something of himself. Maybe it's my chance to be with him. Obviously, at that same time, he she calls him, and he's a, he's like, yeah, I'm about to have a child. But at that time, like, he's really upset with his wife. Like, he doesn't want to talk to her. But, like, the moment she calls... Well, because his wife was annoying as crap. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Whatever she was. So it's this weird thing about, like, this unrequited love, this kind of feeling that the grass is greener on the other side of the fence, which I don't think that's healthy for anybody to really think. I mean, like that kind of carrying on over, over each other for like 25, 30 years is like, that's not good. And, and, and ultimately at the end of the day, that's what ends up is like some sort of unproductive booty call in a, a restaurant bathroom. And that's the last time you maybe you kind of fail. It's a, it's a, it's a story about failures. Poor waiter, man. He just wanted to go home for the night. I've been in that situation. Sorry, the kitchen's closed. Well, we'll just drink the wine. The bar is closed. What about that bottle there? We'll just finish that one there. Leave. I want to go home. But I, I do agree that the art is something else. Although 
my one nitpick with the art is I didn't like anybody's face. Like, I thought the faces were all weird. Because, like, all the rest of the stuff was gorgeous and kind of flowing. And it tur- it looks like that the faces are drawn on with some, like, like a pencil that doesn't belong there. It's just like... I think that was part of what made the beginning especially confusing. Because I didn't know who was who. And especially once they jumped, like, timelines, which you didn't really know that they were, like, moving forward five years or whatever. They changed their faces, obviously, because we all age, unfortunately. But, yeah, I had trouble, like, who's who? Where the heck are they? What's going on? Who's that? Yeah. And maybe that's why I was confused. The other thing that I got to nitpick is they talk a lot about this love triangle between uh, Lucy and the two guys, Nicola and Piero. And, and I don't know if they even allude to it at the beginning and then they pick up at the end. But they're like, oh, this was this huge thing. And even when they have this like meeting in the they're like, oh, Nicola was always in the middle of this. I'm like, I didn't get any of that. <clears throat> like, did I miss some pages here? Because. That wasn't obvious that they had a love triangle at all. Again, to Chad's point, it was more like Piero and uh, Nicola had the love affair and the girl was getting in the middle of it. Well, no, they did say that, that Nicola was kind of jealous that she was taking Piero or whatever his name is away from from him. And whether that was a romantic relationship between the two boys or, or just a platonic relationship either way, I mean, they did allude to the fact that, you know, there was some back and forth there. Yeah, and I, I think it was a love triangle, not not necessarily in the sense that you're thinking where it's two guys both in love with one girl. I think at the beginning it was Piero and Nicola were very good friends, and then this girl came in and suddenly Nicola lost his best friend because Piero is spending more and more time with Lucy. And then at the end, those kind of got flipped, and then Lucy and Nicola are together, and Piero, you know, life has taken over and whatnot. So so the triangle is still there, but the dynamics have changed in that triangle. But it was never sort of that very simplistic two men and one girl or two girls and one guy type fighting over. Right. If anything, I always felt like it was like Nicola was the guy who... He looked up to Piero, and when Piero gets Lucy, like, okay, then I guess now I want Lucy, too. You know, and the sad twist, Nicole is the guy who ends up with her. It's just what made it all that much more sadder, because Nicole isn't living his dream. He's just living through, well, this is what Piero would have wanted, so I guess I want that, because I really liked Piero. I don't know. It was just, it was so sad. Yeah. I, I wanted to ask, Chad, uh, I, again, sometimes we talk on these shows about, like, characters and whether they have any redeeming qualities. Like, Piero kind of seems like he was willing to, like, I don't know, cheat on his wife in the middle of this bathroom with the, and, like, again, and then he's like, yeah, I'm going to be here for another week if you want to, you know, try again or something. <laughs> and I was just like, dude, you're married. You have a kid. Like, yeah. I'm not cool with any of this. Maybe it's European and that's how they do it over there. But I I don't know about this. Keep it in your pants. I never got the sense that he was happy in his marriage at all. Right. I mean, he was already gone. Like his archaeology, like mentor was like, yeah, if you come out here, you don't belong here, nor do you really belong at home because you're so separated from them. Yeah, they they make him go back to his family. I don't know. I I don't think he's the best person, but it's another part that just makes the story so sad. Nobody wins in this one. Yeah, it's life, you know. I think Americans especially, we we tend to have this moral fabric we want to lay over everything, this sort of Judeo-Christian value system where, you know, thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife and all this other stuff that Europeans are much less concerned about. (laughs) 
Not to say that they're not concerned, but they just they're not as hung up about it all as we are. That's why they see Americans as being so uptight and square. Maybe getting it on with like an old high school love in your like forties is normal. <laughs> French movies say that that's romance. Well, one thing we're gonna take a break from is this conversation just for a second. We'll be right back with more of the last comic shop right after these messages. We're gonna get our ratings. So if you are uh, want to do, pour yourself a glass of wine, uh, light a cigarette, and uh, we shall be right back. Go do your quickie in the bathroom. <laughs> if you have to wee wee, mademoiselle. <laughs> Welcome to Victims and Villains. This is the channel where we talk nerd, we talk hope, and we speak nothing else. I'm your host, Captain Nostalgia, and I'm so glad that you're here to join us. Victims and Villains is a podcast and YouTube channel that marries pop culture and suicide prevention, producing content with the intent to let people know that there is hope and that there is a better way and that each and every listener has value and worth. Listen to Victims and Villains on your favorite podcast catcher or on YouTube by searching for Victims and Villains. Also, check out their website, victimsandvillains.net. Looking for a podcast all about nerddom? Want a podcast with an emphasis on representation? The Nerd Alternative is the podcast for you. Join me, Ram. Me, Hassan. And me, Levi. Three black British nerds tackling the pop culture we love and sharing why we love them. The Nerd Alternative, a sweet melting pot of all things nerdy. All right, we're back with more of The Last Comic Shop. It is now time for our ratings, where we hope to be that box of chocolate you get this Valentine's Day by giving you a good comic. We'll decide whether uh, 5,000 kilometers per second was that based on our rating scale, which uh, J.A. likes to give us a one out of four something specials every single week. So will you be our Valentine, J.A., and give us a good one out of four scale this week? Okay, so we're going to go with uh, 1,000 kilometers, 1,000 kilometers, 1,500 kilometers, 2,000 kilometers. And this all goes to the title of the book, which references the time it takes sound to travel from Egypt to Norway by a cell phone, there's a one second delay. So, oh. see, I was thinking you were going to do bathroom booty calls. I thought no. that was a better one. I, I, I didn't want to get Nicole any more worked up. All right. Well, speaking of Nicole, we're going to have her go first and she's our guest. So, one out of 4,000 kilometers, what are you giving this book? I'm going to go 2,500 kilometers. It grew on me towards the end. I don't know, maybe I related more to the older characters, or maybe I just realized what was going on, and uh, it wasn't, like, my favorite. Uh, I don't know that I would have picked it up on my own, but, you know, it only took me, like, an hour to read, so no time lost. Uh, Is that what you're going to give this one on Goodreads? I did put it on Goodreads, so I am doing a 52-book challenge this year, and I thought, oh, maybe this will fit one of the prompts, which one of the prompts is less than 2,022 ratings on Goodreads. This book failed. It has more ratings than that, actually. So it has a rating of, I think, about 3.6, I think, the last time I checked. 3.6 out of out of what? What is the top in Goodreads? Well, five stars. So, yeah, 3.6. Okay. It has 2,385 ratings and 270 reviews, some of which are in foreign languages. There you go. And it kind of, you know, it sounds like exactly what we were saying. I mean, some people are like, oh, it was really beautiful. I'm blown away by the art. And then people are like, I don't get it at all. <laughs> so, 
All right. Well, we'll go with Chad, who who struggled a, a little bit this week. Maybe he didn't get it at all. I don't know. What, what's your rating scale? How many thousands of kilometers are you giving it? Yeah, we'll go uh, 2,750 kilometers. This reminded me of whenever I used to, in my younger days, head over to the Blockbuster and just pick a movie that I had never seen before and bring it home and watch it. And this is definitely something very art house. I, I saw someone use the term delicate to describe it. There are definitely delicate moments in here. And I'm not upset that I read it, but I didn't enjoy it. I was sad at the end. It made me feel bad for all of these people. It was a sad story of this unrequited love, this distance between these people all the time. Yeah, there are no good people in here. Everybody's lying to each other at the end and lying to themselves. And it's just sad and depressing. And we really need to read this stuff in the middle of winter. Jeez, guys. <laughs> yeah, we've been hitting it out of park recently. We had 1984, then Rorschach, then this book. Boy, Oof. we need to get some some joy back in this show before it's too late. But, J.A., what, uh, what's your rating? So I really enjoyed it. I embraced it for what it was. I thought it was very delicate, both the art and the storytelling. I liked that you sort of had to work to figure out what was going on. And then once you did, you were like, oh, as I alluded to earlier, my favorite scene probably of the entire book was the fever dream. And and when he was in Africa for the first time in Egypt, one thing that you pick up, maybe not the first time, but on a reread for the in the epilogue of the entire graphic novel you see their first meeting the first time that lucy and piero make love well you see the work up to it and nicola comes around looking for piero and the back of his shirt says no future and that something that i think is good about it it holds up on rereading you it's it's like you know i mean this is going to sound very cliche it's like a european movie that you watch the first time and don't quite get and you watch the second time and there's another layer and you watch the third time and there's another layer so i am giving it 3750 kilometers John Andrew is clearly much more sophisticated. <laughs> yes, this was a J.A. pick all the way this week. If you know anything about our co-host J.A., yeah, this was in his wheelhouse. This is like a Criterion collection of, of comic books. And so, of course, he is going to rate it pretty highly. I, on the other hand, more of a, <laughs> you know... Miller Light and and Buffalo Wings kind of guys, uh, you know, farm boy hick. Uh, and so I didn't get this. I mean, I got it. Like, I'm not a, stupid by any sense of it. I, I got where this was going. But I I had a hard time caring, I think, in the end. I You know, the, the watercolors were cool. The faces were really weird. And I never liked the faces on any of these people. I just thought everybody kind of looked. I don't want to use the term ugly. Because that, that's not the proper term. I, it never settled well with me. And then when you top, put on top of that the story, which is really, again, two people that met a long time ago probably should have ended up together. But because they were probably stupid and young and met each other before they should have met each other, in essence, they live an entire life full, full of regret. And unlike 1984, which was depressing because it dealt with society just trying to destroy the freedoms of one individual. This was just depressing because I think everybody's been there and you don't really want to revisit that in any of our lives. You're just like, why? 
no. I don't want to remember my unrequited loves, and this is what this book brings up to me. So how many kilometers are you going? It's like 1,500. Like, it's not even a two. I didn't. I mean, the only thing that saves it is really some of the art at times. I really didn't like that bathroom scene. I, I didn't. There was like a sheen of like everybody's pathetic in this. And that's not what I need from escapism. I think that's what it is. I mean, I don't need this. I, I got other books to read. I can go read, I don't know, Flash Gordon or something. If I, <laughs> That might be a little harsh, but whatever. any case, what's not harsh is our recommendations. Yes, on every single episode of The Last Comic Shop, we like to give you other comic books that you can pick up at your local comic shop in addition to 5,000 kilometers per second. So traditionally... We like to do a comic that is current, and then one that's uh, similar, and then one that's out of left field, but we just threw that all out the window in 2022, and now what do we do, J.A.? We just recommend comic books. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. It's much easier that way, much cleaner. So yeah, well, we're going to give you four recommendations, and we're going to go ahead and start off with Chad's recommendation. So Chad, what do you have for us this week? Okay, so my recommendation, similar to this story where they go back to their youth and they they go home again and find the things that brought them joy when they were younger, uh, I'm going to point to a comic that came out in the last year that brought me joy and reminded me of the things I loved when I was younger, and that is G.I. Joe Snake Eyes Dead Game by Rob Liefeld. Oh, yeah. And not only uh, was the series itself Rob Liefeld fun, they came out with a one-shot issue. It was G.I. Joe Snake Eyes Dead Game Declassified, where in the fifth issue of the series, Rob Liefeld had all these different industry vets come and ink him for uh, the final issue of the series. And in the declassified issue, they go through and they give you the process pieces so you can see Gleifeld's blue pencil lines and what Neil Adams turned those into. Or you can see uh, Kevin Eastman from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. You see the Rob Liefeld pictures, and then you see the Kevin Eastman inked version. And you can see you know, what the inkers really bring to the table in the whole creation of comics. And this is just, it's a blend of all sorts of things that I love. As a 10, 11 year old, I was super into the Rob Liefeld art. I still love it to this day. And here you get people like industry great Jerry Ordwayer in here, people that worked with him back in the day, like Dan Panosian, Merritt Michaels. You even get some up and comers, people like Tom Scioli or Jim Rugg or Ed Pisker. And I, I love the process stuff. And just to see a mix of all these different inkers and what they bring to the table. The difference between the blue lines and the finished ink art, it's just delightful. And so this is something I genuinely love in the spirit of Valentine's Day. It's Snake Eyes Dead Game if you want the Rob Liefeldy goodness, but Dead Game Declassified if you want the process stuff. It's all wonderful. All right, J.A., what's your recommendation this week? So my recommendation is coming out of Europe. Uh, it was originally released in 2010 in French. Uh, The English version came out in 2013 and it is Blue is the Warmest Color by Julie Moreau. And uh, this story takes place in France between like 94 and 2008 essentially. And it's about Clementine and her partner Emma. Uh, So Clementine is Emma's girlfriend and has died and Emma is going back to Clementine's house to talk to her parents and then to pick up some things that Clementine has left Emma, uh, her diaries. And then throughout the book, you're basically – it is 
Clementine's retelling of their relationship, of their romance, how they meet. And it's also a, you know, a, a coming of age story because Clementine is discovering her sexuality. And then when Clementine gets sick, how they Emma cares for her. And then ultimately Clementine dies and has left sort of a note and, and trying to push Emma to keep going on with her life because their lives together have been cut short. Uh, so very much about true love and, and, and sort of what you do. And in the realm of the 5,000 kilometers per second, you know, very beautifully drawn with very subdued colors and blue comes up over and over again. Emma's hair at the beginning is blue when she meets Clementine and, and Clementine's boyfriend before she starts dating Emma always wears a blue shirt. So blue is a very important part of, of the whole book. It was made into a movie in 2013 also called blue is the warmest color uh which won the palm door at Cannes. and when it was written in 2010 julie moreau was 19 years old so you know how how's your life going she did a comic book in 2010 that was made into a can winning movie in 2013 and she did it when she was 19 so why the heck didn't we read that book that sounds way better than what we just read <laughs> i'm serious that's well, I mean, that's what we do recommendations for. So well, I know, you... but I mean, why didn't you recommend that for the show I was going to read for? <laughs> okay. John Andrew, you're in trouble. All right. Well, my recommendation on this week's show is a webtoon that I kind of plugged on our Twitter page a couple weeks ago. Uh, I actually found this because my wife showed me a list that Goodreads, which is her website of choice for finding books and stuff, it, it basically listed these are the top 10 graphic novels of 2021. As voted on by Goodreads readers. Right. And this one had 10,000 votes. It was called Lore Olympus by Rachel Smythe. She doesn't make spider slayers, she makes webtoons. And again, it's been released now in hardcover. You can get the collection of all these webtoons on Amazon in a nice hard collection if you want to. But you can read them for free over at webtoons.com. And really, it's a retelling of the classic Greek myth about Hades and Persephone. You might know uh, Persephone was the child of Demeter, uh, who was the goddess of fertility and nature and all this other stuff in the Greek pantheon. And so Persephone was the goddess specifically of spring. And Hades kidnaps her and takes her down to the underworld because he falls in love with her and they get married or whatever. But ultimately that was the way that the Greeks explained why there was winter. Because basically there was a deal made between Demeter and Hades eventually that Persephone would be able to go back up to Earth out of the underworld half of the year. And that's our spring and summer months. And then she leaves and that's our fall and winter. But this is all kind of breathy, Fifty Shades of Grey kind of comic book. Lusty kind of way. Like a modern, hey, I'm Hades and I'm a middle-aged guy, CEO of a company wearing like beautiful suits and young college-aged Persephone at a party and instantly falls in love with her across the room. And it's all this, like, classic romance, beach-read kind of stuff. But we can't really make love because I'm living with Artemis in my college, you know, apartment. And there's no boys allowed here. But it's, it's just that. And it goes on for, like, I don't know, I think there's, like, 135 episodes at this point. I'm, like, into episode, I don't know, 75? 
And I've only been reading for like three days. It's like any soap opera. It just grabs you. The dialogue, snappy. And the art is gorgeous. Just like all the rest of the books we covered on today's program. Lore Olympus. Check it out on webtoons.com. It is free to read. And now it is time for my wonderful wife. Is she giving us a book that she got from Goodreads too? No, I'm going to go old school. We read this a little while ago, and I think Chad can back me up here because it was awesome. I'm going to go Day Tripper by Fabio Moon and uh, Gabriel Ba. And there's some kind of blatant connections to the book we read today. It's really the watercolors and the art, very reminiscent of, of the art in today's book. But also the story, you know, kind of is snippets of this guy's life or different moments in his life that are kind of different versions of what could happen in life. But it was uh, one of our favorites that we've read. So highly recommended. Absolutely. I keep trying to sell the guys to get Day Tripper on the show. It's, it's beautiful stuff. And whereas 5,000 thousand kilometers per second was very atmospheric the day tripper had the atmosphere and it had the the philosophical oomph behind it as well uh no that, that's a great pick nicole yeah and maybe we will check out day tripper on a future show when we'll have to have nicole back so that we can review that book and uh, you can make sure that you don't miss that by rate reviewing and subscribing to our podcast over at www.lastcomicshoppodcast.com. It's a terrific website where you can find all the links to all of those wonderful podcasting platforms that you can find our show every week, including YouTube. We've got not only our shows out on YouTube, we've also got some bonus uh, videos and, and kind of unboxings and comic book reviews. So make sure that you check out all of that over at www.lastcomicshoppodcast.com. And you can find us on social media if you want to continue the conversations, vote in our Wednesday polls, or check out our comic book factoids every day. We're on Twitter and Instagram at Last Comic Shop. And also on our website, a link to our merch store, just in time for Valentine's Day, the perfect gift for your Valentine. Or, if you don't have one, get it in black and embrace the ennui. <laughs> we we to ennui. What an episode. All right, and while we might be the last comic shop podcast, uh, we don't actually want to be the last comic shop. So we encourage everybody to head out there to your local comic shop. Don't know where that is? Go to www.comicshoplocator.com where you might find a space that has copies of 5,000 kilometers per second. Or maybe they have that issue of Snake Eyes, Dead Game, Declassified. Or blue is the warmest color. Or maybe they have that hardcover of Lore Olympus. Or even better, Day Tripper. Check it out at your local comic shop. All right. And, and until next week, I was those with most Andy Larson. I was joined by Chad Smith and Jay Scott, as always, as well as the beautiful and wonderful Nicole Larson for this week's show. And make sure that you tune into The Last Comic Shop next week. Until then, stay safe, stay sheltered. And remember that if the digital underground had been in 5,000 kilometers per second, they would have just got busy in a Burger King bathroom. The last comic shop was a 2022 Black Angus production.